Hi, y'all. This is Day and Airy with Windshield Time. Thanks Hi, for joining us again. It is Thursday, October 24th. This is going to be for the Friday show. So uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening again. Welcome to Windshield Time, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a non-technical, fun, informative way to learn about Bitcoin, blockchains, and digital assets for parents and busy working folks who are curious about these technologies. Day and myself and our guests talk about these evolutionary systems of money and what they touch in all of our lives. Because what part of your life does money not touch? And this podcast is not financial advice and your reactions are your total and complete and absolute responsibility, y'all. Thanks again. Enjoy the show. Right on. Thank you very much for doing that reading. Let's jump into Satoshi Math. Yeah. What's it at now? I just checked the price of Bitcoin on the handy dandy Apple stock quoting tool. Mm -hmm. It is uh, listed under BTC-USD. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, a little moment ago, maybe around 3.30-ish, again on Thursday, October 24th, it was trading at $7,496. So we took another stair step down, and um, I tweeted a picture about this big you know, red candle in the middle of the uh, three-day range uh, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Devices on mute. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you take one dirty U.S. dollar, Dirt, one dirty fiat dollar uh-huh. <laughs> and divide that by the decimalized version of $7,496. Eight decimal places out. Eight decimal places. So that's 0.00007496. Then you get 13,340 <gasps> sats. Wow, you get more and more sats right now. <laughs> Start stacking it's an sats. inverse relationship. The... The, the lower the price of one Bitcoin, then the more Satoshis, or as we like to call them, sats, then that you get to purchase. Hmm. And uh, I think this might be an all-time high since we've doing, been doing the podcast, maybe. Really? No, all-time no, high? No, it's probably not. It's probably not. No, no. I'll have to go back into the archives and Are see what our Satoshi math figures were. Oh, it yeah. All-time high like on Satoshis, yeah. On Satoshis, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think 13,000, but there's a pretty good chance. We started June 11th, this podcast. Yeah. And so there's a good chance that it might have been... Uh, I think it was about the been, same there. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. We're in a downtrend on the price action of Bitcoin. But this year, it's already up, you know, close to 100%, even with this price. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was reminded of yesterday in the uh, crypto outlook 2020 roundtable that we did yesterday. Shout out to who was there. Jesse Corey Proudman. at Stably. Jesse Proudman. And Brent Lyman of CoinMe. Yeah, Crypto Bly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's a bear market. And everyone was like, no, no, it's not a bear market. We're still up 100%. <laughs> it's still better. The best performing asset class in the United States, blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, well, we're not in a bear, I guess. Yeah. It kind of depends on what time frame you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think anybody can look at the charts and tell whatever story they want to. Mm-hmm. I used to be big into technicals, but now I'm much more into the fundamentals. And mm. so I have different issues when it comes to the price action of Bitcoin because I don't know who's going to be buying it you know, above $20,000 of Bitcoin. Mm. I just don't know. And technicals so I, that's versus my next fundamentals. Question. Yes, that's oh. my next question nowadays to everybody. It's not going to be... Well, it, it is... Have you heard of Bitcoin? Do you have any Bitcoin? Those uh-huh. are the two questions I still ask strangers and you know anybody of I come into contact, contact with. Yes. But I think the next question I'll ask to pe- people, if the second question is a yes, I'll uh-huh. say, 
So who's going to be buying Bitcoin above, you know, 10,000, above 15,000, above 20,000, so on and so forth. The United States of America will be buying it at 100,000. I <laughs> <laughs> Late adopters. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't have a good uh, answer. I have a I have a educated guess, but I'm pretty sure I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. What about events? What do we got for events? Oh, the only thing on my mind right now is uh, just preparing for Vegas Blockchain Week. A big cohort of us are going to be down there so just coordinating when everyone's landing and making sure we have some time to get a nice big seattle cohort photo yep so you're getting there on the this saturday on the 26th on the morning yep, yep. and then i think justin Wu's landing on the 27th and then the rest of the party shout out to hackerpreneur yep we did a pod recording of him earlier the rest of the team will be arriving on monday and tuesday so i think maybe tuesday evening or wednesday morning we should do a good group photo and that'll be our memorabilia from the las vegas seattle represent <laughs> in vegas <laughs> Vegas. Yep, and so I'll be there from uh, Monday early Monday morning until late Wednesday night. With so. the Bitcoin baby, thank you for bringing him because yes, I will miss him Bitcoin dearly. Baby. Yep, yep. So uh, it's going to be Money 2020, Litecoin Summit, Coin Agenda Global, and WCC, and I'll also be playing in the uh, uh, World CryptoCon Poker Tournaments at the Mike, Ta- Mike Tyson, Tyson Mansion. Mike, Mike, you, gotta get, you gotta get a picture with Mike Tyson. I almost said Mike Hansen Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Mike Hansen. At I am Mike Hansen, Hi. our awesome uh, Tron and Beatscoin representative here in the Pacific Northwest. All right. All right. Before we go into the main segment with Farah and Niall of the Labs, want to make a quick shout out to our sponsors because they make everything possible and they feed us uh, so that we can feed our family. <laughs> Thank you very much to our sponsors, CoinMe. They're the best on-ramp to the world of digital currencies from cash. So they have a nice partnership with Coinstar, which allows you to take any machine put cash in and get you know a quick on-ramp into bitcoin you don't have to do all the hard stuff like you do with a coinbase or other types of on-ramps so it makes it really easy they also have private client services and you can actually talk to a human so you can just text them and be like hey should i buy or not buy can you help me i want to sell they do all of that for you a question about bitcoin yeah yes yes they actually just did a webinar the other day on why bitcoin is important so i think they're working on uh, publishing that so you can just listen to that video when you get a chance Great, great team here locally in Seattle. Second sponsor is Fresh Chalk, F-R-E-S-H-C-H-A-L-K.com. It's your best way to get recommendations from your friends on products and services in your local area. So I could listen to some Yelper on their five-star recommendation, but I know that my husband Day, for instance, or maybe bad example, is really, really nitpicky about um people that he brings into the house wants to make sure they do a really good job and are reliable and will do it to his very anal high expectations level of execution I'm going to probably trust Day's recommendation, right? And then our third sponsor is the WTI, the Washington Technology Industry Association. It has over 1,100 technology members from Portland all the way up to Vancouver, BC, creating one collective voice for the region, working with policymakers, investors, and innovators. And then they also have a wealth of benefits like, you know, 401k, health insurance benefits, and recruiting benefits that help smaller technology companies scale. Anytime you reach out to those uh, sponsors of ours, CoinMe, Fresh Chalk, and WTI, 
guy, tell them that Day and Aries sent you. <laughs> that'll, that'll reinforce the positive feedback loop. So for the show today, we were able to luckily sit down with Farah and Niall over at the labs. And yeah. They were part of a cohort. Yeah, so they were also, this is the second part of the series on the Ready, Set, Raise accelerator that just happened. Part of the Female Founders Alliance, the labs, uh, we sat down with founders Farah and Niall, and they talked about their just journey of becoming co-founders, you know, their amazing ability to recruit. I mean, like the just hearing about the people that they've been able to recruit to their team. I mean, one of the hardest things to do as a founder, I know from firsthand experience, is like recruiting the best talent especially as a startup where there are so many unknowns and lots of risks. And so they've just done a very stellar job of doing that. And they talk about how they do that and the types of people they've been able to recruit, which is just amazing. And then, you know, and the little side note, they don't talk about it. Uh, they are also a blockchain solution. Oh, we talked about that. We t- they don't talk about it a oh, lot. They don't talk about it a lot, no, exactly. No, but they shouldn't. They've you know, crafted like, their pitch so that it's optimized for understanding versus mm-hmm. getting into the weeds of technicals. Right. Like if I'm using a website, do I really care if they're hosted on GoDaddy or if they're using AWS cloud services? No. As a consumer, I just want to know that they have a kick-ass product. And so they're talking about it in the right way. And I think, you know, I really hope that investors and policymakers also look at it that way. It's like a really great technology innovation and option that companies can use to really optimize different workflows and, you know, data security and privacy. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't, you shouldn't make decisions on whether to invest or engage or not engage with the company because they're using blockchain or because they use cloud uh, services. PCs versus uh, Macs. Right, <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. So, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with these two really great founders. Yeah, yeah, they seem like an awesome duo, and so uh, they do touch blockchain, Ethereum to be specific, whereas. Uh, the other two companies, um, so Juicebox mm-hmm. and then uh, Tougher, mm-hmm. uh, they do not actually touch any sort of uh, digital assets or blockchains or anything like that, right. which is totally fine. And we have a fourth uh, you know, highlight special with Givenkind coming up too as well. Oh, yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. So yeah. She, I mean, she was the winner of the uh, Trilogy $100,000 from the Ready, Set, Raise Accelerator. So she, uh, I'm really excited to have her very shortly too. Great. All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and roll the uh, disclaimers, disclosures, read by Dom at CoinMe. Thanks again to Dom for doing the reading on that. And then right after the uh, reading, we'll go straight into the show. So thanks a lot for listening, y'all, and appreciate the support. There'll be some show notes to uh, help you sign up for the uh, Sats app by Casa. So it's one of my favorite apps right now where I can hold Bitcoin. Really beautiful. And so there's a referral code in there to use. It's a really, really beautiful app. We learned about it at the Bitcoin Is conference that uh, Russell Okung did on September 1st down in L.A. Mm -hmm. So please check that out in the show notes. Again, we have a referral code. Yeah, thanks to our sponsors and our listeners. Uh, We really appreciate the opportunity to share these great stories of really great people doing good work for humanity at the end of the day. And don't forget... Rate, review, subscribe, and share. Rate, review, <laughs> subscribe, share. Sharing, be, sharing being the most important. Thanks, and be nice to each other, y'all. Together we rise. Bye. Bye. Hi, y'all. This is Dom from CoinMe, or you might know me from The Blockchain Minute, your daily show for the most important story on the blockchain. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guests or its host is to be taken as financial advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky 
or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Security and Exchange Commission of the United States of America or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that the hosts, Ari and Day, and their guests are not financial advisors of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of this known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion that may be found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. Mature adult discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. Hey, so uh, thank you so much. Oh, my own trust. What's your name? <laughs> you have a harder name, I think. Nile Alice Wilde. Nile. Oh, it took me forever. Sometimes I... She still messes it up. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, so we're sitting here in WeWork Labs with Farah and Nile, and also Day. Hi, Day. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we're uh, coming off the uh, whirlwind of the last six weeks with the Ready, Set, Accelerator, with the Female Founders Alliance. Say hi. Hi, guys. Hey, everyone. And you guys are of what company? The Labs. And what is The Labs? The Labs, we are a collaboration and file storage platform that protects intellectual property. We make life easier for creators. Right now we're working with music creators. We make it easier for them. They can just work and use our tools and we'll protect their digital rights and IP. And so your role is? My role, I am the CEO of the company okay. and co-founder. Awesome. And uh, I am the CTO and co-founder. Wow. All right. <laughs> it's so exciting. Yay. It's exciting. Well, this is something that I wanted to cover with you guys. Um, but, you know, Erin and I had a little prior experience in her first startup, her first big startup. And what we encountered, yeah, gift starter. I'm wearing the shirt example. Yeah. Uh, what we encountered was what I, affectionately termed, and there's a massive fire engine in the background here. Um, what we discovered was what I termed affectionately the Wozniak problem. Mm-hmm. So the story in Silicon Valley goes a long time ago that Steve Wozniak um, of Apple, he had to have his arms twisted like massively before he would come on board at Apple. Like he wanted to stay at his cushy day job at HP because HP was like a crown jewel of tech companies back then. And so it just took a, a massive amount of arm twisting to get him to leave his job and to, you know, feel very Vulnerable. free to without guilt mm-hmm. go leave his company and go to Apple. Mm-hmm. And so Ari had a really hard time finding her Wozniak. I wish I had mm-hmm. you. I think that <laughs> I think that what, you know, Apple maybe they knew or didn't know is that people really idolized Wozniak. Mm-hmm. The technology people follow technology people, you know. Mm-hmm. The people follow their like kind of people, you know. So it's hard to get devs to follow a non-dev type, mm-hmm. you know, leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, now I look for that as a as a weakness in, you know, companies that we might invest in. It's like especially do you have a technology a, company. Mm-hmm. Especially as a technology company, yeah. Do yeah. you have that pairing? 
with your business person and your technology person. Mm -hmm. And so, could you go into a little bit about how you guys um, met mm -hmm. and Found each other. what is the the bond that brings you guys together? Can I can I tell oh, the story wait. this time? Please tell the story. <laughs> okay. And just okay. before you before yesterday, he was like, "Fair, you're such a nerd. How is it that you're such a nerd?" Like, <laughs> she, she, she is. is. <laughs> she likes stuff like like uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Walking Dead, right? You're like you love Walking Dead, yeah. Like yeah, you got Star like you got some nerd chops. I watched Star Wars and Star Trek. From she the loves very all beginning. the Marvel stuff, so she's got she's got nerd chops. So she's got she's got cred. So the way that we met, I was working at a consulting company as one of the leaders in that, technical leaders in that company, I would go into sales calls. So salespeople would grab me and just let's go talk to this potential client. And it just so happened to be fair on the other, on the other end. And she starts talking about music collaboration and music protection. And then I just went off and I'm like, okay, let's start talking about Merkle trees and blockchain and this and that, and like how we can store the data and do all this stuff. And she was, on the other end, and I'm like, I, maybe she didn't care, I didn't know. I was like, but this was something that I was interested in, you know, in music and protecting musicians, and, you know, giving, uh, like, I've always felt like musicians just don't have the same technology and support and technology that at least us as software developers do. I mean, like software developers, we have all the tools, you know, and like musicians have none of the tools. I mean, they're artists. Fundamentally, they're artists. Right, so, yeah. right. Oh, Y'all. Yeah. So, <laughs> excuse me. So, so, you know, talking, I was like, well, why can't we, you know, my, my thing was, is why can't we give them the same tooling that we as software, software developers have? So when I started talking with Fair, I realized that the problem was, her passion was in the security of musicians, you know, and making sure that they had a secure place to go, share ideas, work together. And so really that was the piece that I was missing. And the other piece that I was missing to your point is like, I'm not that, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a fundraiser. I'm not that guy, you know, like I'm, I'm the guy who's like, okay, let's go solve this problem and I'll go research the tech and lead a team and execute, you know, and I'm, I'm not, so I can be very open and and very personable with the tech people, but when I meet new people, you know, I'm a tech person. Like I'm, you know, more introverted and shy, and you know, I'm not I'm not the person that wants to go shake everyone's hand. And, you see know. you shy. So we, I've been working on him for, for a long time. Been working on me. And how many? How long have you known each other? It's Two. gone on. It's gone on three years. Yeah. Three years. Yeah. yeah. It's a while now. So I'll pick up the story. All right. So I, <laughs> Here's Farisada. I okay. was scouting because I didn't know exactly how to form my ideas and I needed someone who, who had some really good skill set. So I was like, okay, let me Google Best Atlanta Development Company. Mm. And that company came up and I had sales calls. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get all some, some really some clarity around what I'm doing here. And now it was just like, bam, bam, bam. And I was like, ah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like she's love... fishing and I'm trying to get business. This is what's right? Uh, yeah, and it was a great fishing experience. Too great because when I went to find a co-founder, mm -hmm. I was interviewing folks and no one did that. No one was like, yeah, Merkle Tree and that and that. And I, after like five, six people, I was like, let me go on LinkedIn see if I can find that guy. I didn't know his name or anything. <laughs> and I found him. I was like, you wouldn't happen to know anyone that would want to be um, my CTO. 
And he was like, me? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I've been spending... She, she like went dark on us and she didn't call they, us back. They and had I, a $300,000 bill. <laughs> so, so I kept getting on to my salesperson and I'm like, hey, reach out back to Farah because I want to work on that project. Like, that's my dream project that she's oh, working on. I was like, I'm like, we're, I'm like, we keep reaching out to Farah. And then she did. She kept pestering you. She kept telling me she was pestering you. And she I'm was. Like, you know, and the bill was like, never heard start. back from Farah. I'm like, like, you know, I want to work on this thing. So when she reached out to me, I was like, yes. I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. And yeah. it was all good. Man, that is like a it's dream good. come true. It is. To have, you know, the interlocking of <coughs> coincidences of needs and chemistry and, you know, same kind of like overarching goal mm -hmm. yeah. and stuff. So. Solving the same problem that you're, space that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That you like connected, that you came back and yeah. just like that you did that because mm -hmm. like most people would be like oh three hundred thousand dollars that's totally out and the <laughs> fact that you went back and was like hey yeah and wow like like we heard last night farah is you know she's a great recruiter i'm not the only great person she's brought she you know she brings together all kinds of great people so yeah i i knew I, after she brought me on i wasn't the I was the first of a line of people that came on. So tell me about the other line of people and how are you doing this? Like you're just, well, you're just what, what? I, my background, I, you know, designed solutions and I had to, you know, go out and procure a team. <laughs> so I need people that's going to help us along. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I was looking for skill sets and skill sets in weird places because what we're doing, we're doing something that we don't have a model for, mm -hmm. you know, and so getting like a salesperson, like it, without me knowing, I was like, okay, let me get a corporate salesperson that mm -hmm. I really know, and and you know they do well in organizations, and that didn't work. <laughs> it was like me trying and then failing. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, I need someone in a startup, you know, I need someone to help me with this startup problem mm -hmm. that we don't hardly have any money. <laughs> a problem. <laughs> so, all right, so you know, just finding the folks that at the time of where we are and the phase where we are, they're going to like lift the needle. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I, I see it. And then people were passionate, like there's folks that are, this is, we're doing a good thing. It's, this is a really good business opportunity, but it's also a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it feels good because mm -hmm. we are coming and helping people who otherwise didn't have um, tools to help them do something that they really have anxiety over on a regular basis. Or even support from the industry. I mean, like there's so many people out there that are indie musicians. I mean like now they do have tooling to create music you have tooling to make video you have you can make a movie on your phone if you really wanted to right but then how do you protect it and if you don't have that industry knowledge so like we're really bridging that gap for them where yeah. they don't have to get mm. all you know a bunch of lawyers and people yeah. involved if they can just right. protect themselves out you know mm. up front then, yeah right, right let's take a step back so music protection digital rights what does this all mean? So, what is the problem? Like, tell, tell how would you how would you describe this space to someone? Just anybody walking down the street. Mm -hmm. I mean, because because we try to we try to be very. Um, we're targeting working people and busy parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not necessarily technologists or anything like that. Yeah, yeah so. sure. I'll just you know really easily. There is in order for um, someone who has a who's making money from their art, making music, they have to document their ownership. 
They have to like physically write down who if they that they are the owner or owner and who else owns this song with them and their percentage. Mm -hmm. They have to send that information off to whoever is going to be collecting money for them, which mm -hmm. is a performing rights organization, or whoever is going to be placing their music out into the world or their clients. Mm -hmm. People have to. I mean, it's a data-driven industry. And then um, on top of that, if you push content in the world, it might not get popular for the next five years. So you have all this content out there. Someone needs to know that you are the owner and you have several other people maybe owning it with you. And that's just a, it's, it's a complex process because you have to track all the stuff you're doing. You have to get everyone's email addresses, phone numbers, address. You have to get everything signed. And that's all good in the regular world with other professions. But when you talk about musicians who are like in the moment of making music and being creative, they do not in any way, they don't even feel comfortable discussing ownership. And they don't you feel and then you know it just slips by the wayside and then you have money that's unclaimed and then there's whole other side of the industry where people aren't collecting what they're they're owed so to summarize or to interpret musicians don't want to be in spreadsheets and managing like project managing to the nitty-gritty of who owned who did what and how much they should get paid and when they did it and all that sort of documentation project management administration help there you go. And and that project, <laughs> so and that project management, you know, that's something that like Farah and I take for granted because we both come from consulting, we come from enterprise backgrounds, like we see project management tools all the time and it's just normal, right? right. But as a musician, your process is completely different. Whereas project management is, you know, you're talking about Gantt charts or storyboards Ooh. or so, you know, right? Like mm -hmm. like musicians are thinking in terms of, you know, bars and melodies and who they're collaborating with, right? Like their, their thought process isn't about step one, step two, step three. It's a creative process. You might, you know, it's very iterative and flowing and like you but, might make something now and as Vera said, you might not use it for a few years mm -hmm. because it's just creative, you know, you're just routing and, and to add to that, they're using pretty simple tools. Outside of the production tools for like that one position, an engineer or a producer, songwriters and other folks in the, the mix they're using file sharing platforms they're using their whatsapp to you know talk and they're using email they're using very basic tools mm -hmm. uh and they're not married to one tool mm -hmm. but it's really about connecting and how we're able to exchange content back and forth so it's really basic you know at the basic surface level they their tools are what everyone uses mm -hmm. every day how about giving me a real world example? So I get it. Conceptually, yeah. they they're not project managers, they're administrators. They're mm -hmm. creative music musician types. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this in the real world? Like mm -hmm. you have experience. I think in the pitch you said twenty million dollar lost example. What was that? Yeah. So four billion dollars is unclaimed today by by music Un creators. Unclaimed. Unclaimed money. They call it the black box money. You guys can, can Google it. In uh, December, the president signed a a new legislation to pay you know to form a committee of people to find folks to pay them so they're only taking like 300 million mm -hmm. to to find and saying we're going to find these people and <laughs> they had to form a whole new committee to do that because it's such a huge issue um so there's money out there and it's there because creators aren't doing it there's and they're not doing it 
because there's no tools to help them <laughs> right. do and their so job. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, for, for our audience, because, you know, nobody, not a lot of people are in the music space. So when we're talking about creators, we're not talking about like people that are going out necessarily creating pop music. Like they might be creating jingles, they might be creating sound effects, they might be creating like any any kind of like audio assets that can be used in anything from video games to commercials to television shows. Like there's all kinds of different places where there's a need for music or a need for audio and there's all kinds of sources of where that audio comes from. And so it's just a tangled mess of like how do you keep up with all this content, you know, and, and make sure that everybody is is accounted for when it's time to pay out right and it gets even it gets even like layers of complicated more than that because you might have the rights to the the content in the United States but then that licensing could have changed when it went to another country and somebody else owns those rights and it's a, and it might even be like a different contribution percentage of payouts because of that right so so it's like a compounding problem that is being handled mostly by you know, just people, administrative people that are trying to keep up with mm -hmm. this as much as possible. So if you can imagine, this is like something that we did like in the 80s in all the industries and like the music industry is still stuck in that, you know, almost fax machine era of like keeping up with stuff. Do you remember the interview with Tim Draper that we did? You guys have heard of Tim Draper? Yeah, maybe? of course. Okay. So we got a really awesome like, you know, quick snippet interview with him and he said he was on... I think Nickelodeon, and oh, yeah. he was uh, on television for a t children's show, and he was paid something like uh, like forty cents or something like that for his, you know, for his for his work on the show. That was his, you know, cut, um, cut of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it was really interesting in that um, the fact that he was on television for a children's uh, show, but they, they kept track of his work mm -hmm. and. They gave him a 40 cent, you know, like a minuscule check. They probably cost them in back office work, he admitted, like probably 10 or $20 yeah. to get him that check. Mm -hmm. And so what you're, what you're speaking about is basically mm -hmm. companies who have to track who they have to pay, who they owe money to, mm -hmm. maybe bringing that, that, that cost of doing business mm -hmm. down substantially right. so this could actually be a benefit to them yeah right to be able to use this technology so if you're Nickelodeon you have the resources for all this back office administrative stuff but if you're more of a musician creator you don't have Nickelodeon's resources in your back pocket you that can do all this and so you're really struggling I get it you get it yeah. there, there are companies there are companies too that are not in the entertainment industry so we've met um, there was one company they do uh, like cheerleading competitions oh. and so they would need music for their for their competitions and they needed to make sure that that music was cleared and they could use it and it was properly owned and it's like these people aren't in the entertainment industry how are they supposed to know who to even go to to figure oh. this out right so they were like reaching out to us to fish to find out okay well can we get good music that's you know that's been cleared from you because they just don't want to fool with it anymore so right. i mean it's it's just a big inefficiency problem yeah. you know so this is a little factoid i learned so companies who have hold music they actually have to pay for the right to use that music mm -hmm. on the whole music i believe like that you know like elevator music mm -hmm. oh yeah like, it's like basically nothing's free in this world no <laughs> right. right and so yeah. companies that have to use um, artistic assets like this, mm -hmm. they somehow have to source it in a way that, number one, they don't get sued, 
and it's like affordable, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. So based on that, I had a really quick selfish question. <laughs> what is y'all's understanding of this concept of uh, quote unquote fair use of like commercial, very, very popular music mm -hmm. by consumers to create fun content? I, I'm not gonna be able to speak in too much detail other than you know, there are different types of fair use, right? Like either something's been out of copyright for so long, right? So you get something okay. from the early 1900s and it's like it's been out of copyright, you can use it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but then there's also Creative Commons, right? So you have stuff where they're coming in and there are different, there are different types of licensing agreements. Licensing. You know, you're coming in and you're saying, well, if I'm gonna use this piece of work, then I need to give you credit, but I don't have to pay you. Right. Or I may be able to use this piece of work and it's going to be used in a non-commercial use, so it's fine, mm -hmm. you know. But if I use it in commercial use, then I have to pay. So if, if you're interested, go, go check out Creative Commons. They've got several different you right. know, breakdowns of how that, that works. Is it a myth then that basically anyone can use up to, I think it was like 10 seconds, 20 seconds of anything that they want and not get sued? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> it's really about um, are you making money off of the content? If right. you're making or profiting off of right. Katy Perry's song, then yeah. you have to pay Katy Perry to yeah. get sued. Totally. Um, and if you're, uh, there is some nuance to that when you're posting things online, yeah. uh, wedding videos you can't use. <laughs> so it's really about what the licensing agreement is right, right. versus anything right. but there is some fair use i mean like if you you know if you listen to npr or something like that they'll just pull songs out of they got all kinds of great music man yeah because they because as you said they're playing it for a certain amount of time well, and npr is probably well. public yeah, yeah so then they fall into that there's one services category. that you buy too like you can buy a hem book service of music. Hem. Hems for oh, yeah, yeah. church. They're not free. You have to pay for that. You have to pay monthly or I think it's yearly or you'll get sued. You know, even if you're playing industry, by the way. and if and if you're paying oh yeah, huge. Really? Um, Christian yeah. music and religious music is huge. Interesting. Um, also restaurants, you you can't just put oh, on, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. you will get sued if you're exactly. playing music. Just turn off, like if you turn on the radio, like, really? yeah, you will get you, sued. Yeah, you, you can't sued. turn on the radio. Yeah. There are so many lawsuits with restaurants. Um, there's services that they're supposed to pay, like Whoa. yearly. And if they're not paying it, they'll find you, you have music, you're getting oh, I had no <laughs> cease and desist or, yeah, it's That's huge. Crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, so I'd say it's like a, it's just like a legal landmine, right? A yeah. legal you know, minefield, right? What, like where what, you're going in and you're saying, okay, I don't know what's going to happen next, right? But, can I mm -hmm. use something? Can I not? Can I sample it? Can I not? Like, what, you know, what's the use case around it? And I think it's going to get even harder where it gets better because, you know, with with the streaming awards and all the, the mm -hmm. ways content can be digested now, mm -hmm. there's going to be just this renaissance for music you know if if it's already you know i think it's already started because you have disney you have all these little shows you have all these commercials these previews that they use really crappy music for they still need people to make more of that music so there's just you know i'm really excited about that because that's like more content being made in, mm -hmm. in our system and protected and so one kind of cool thing that's happening at you know as the as the industry it is changing it we're, we're starting to see some effects now of how the internet is influencing music right and how like crowdsourcing is influencing music so now you'll start to hear about um, 
this year they've really started talking about like genreless music. Like there are no more genres anymore. The genres really? are gone. Yeah, yeah. they so don't like, like saying that they were a genre anymore. Yeah, so like um, I don't know if y'all heard the song by Lil Nas X and all the drama that happened this year, right? That is an amazing story, man. Yeah, what it's, it's story? a story. What is the story? So, I, you, you tell it. Go ahead. Give us. So give us I, I'm gonna. I'm I probably live in a rock. Yeah, you live in a rock, and she was raised by wolves too. Literally. Um, so I believe the story is that uh, Little Nas X he found the music clip um, online, mm -hmm. and then he created the song, mm -hmm. and then it just like went crazy Little popular Nile. yeah so he found that music Nas clip X. yeah he yeah. found that music clip and he licensed that right mm -hmm. for whatever it was a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever, yes like right? nothing basically right yeah. so then he takes that and this is common in music now right it's like i'm gonna take something that somebody else made and i'm gonna add it to what i'm making right yeah. and that's what the labs is for is to help that process right <laughs> and so he did that and he got some licensed content and then he made this song and the song was as y'all know, it's Old Town Road, right? And it's a country trap song. And I've had so many arguments with folks. It's like, is it country? Is it trap? It's like, it's it's neither. It has influences from multiple genres, right? Yeah. And that's what makes it. Yeah, so the, the guy who sued him, or is currently suing him mm -hmm. for that sample, he little odd in that. I didn't know I was getting sued. There is a lawsuit. Oh. There's always a lawsuit. There's always a lawsuit that you never will hear. You won't hear about oh. it unless it's like Corel. I thought United or... Litigious States of America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally from, so example, you asked me about an example. If that guy would have um, shared his song with Nas X from using our sharing, like, so we're a storage platform, they would add a, a blockchain, you know, moralized evidence that Nas heard his song. Right. <laughs> he could have, you know, pretty much gave him the license agreement and we'd have tracked all of that pro that process for him and it would have and there would be no lawsuit it would be give me a call you owe me some money <laughs> Done. here here's the evidence and that's pretty much what you know we're here for providing people evidence because we you, we've locked your stuff down <laughs> to where right. you can prove that you are the originator of that let's take another step back so I got Niles background mm -hmm. developer extraordinaire was solving problems left and right for the solutions company and you got wooed by the Farah. Yeah, by what's, the Farah. Yeah. <laughs> what's Farah's background? Like, how, uh, how are you, like, are you in the music space? Are you a musician? Like, mm -hmm. you work in enterprises? Yeah. I grew up playing instruments. Oh. I grew up um, doing digital art, <laughs> making furniture, mm -hmm. um, and sculptures, and oh. I just did everything. And laying brick, apparently, I found out this week. She... I did lay brick. My dad had a construction <laughs> company, so he, in order for me to buy Nikes, I had to lay a couple bricks with his <laughs> construction workers, and I'll get paid. So uh, half half did that. So um, I went to architecture school because oh, wow. uh, my parents were um, they're immigrants and they were like, you are not going to art school. <laughs> Think about it. You're going to, if anything, go to architecture school. <laughs> so um, during the downturn, I, I started doing technology and project management. Then from project management, I did everything, every project you can think of. I moved around a lot, infrastructure rebuilds, I worked with Oracle, IBM. Um, then I became a solution architect, got really good at, wow. at solving problems because I was doing everything and I was like, ah, I'm, I'm pretty much good enough to, to solve problems. <laughs> you know, I've seen everyone's work so far, you know. So started doing that and, you know, really loved that challenge. 
but didn't love the things that I was like, you know, tasked to solve. And then when my, uh, my husband was in the music industry on the finance side, um, hanging around him and his friends, it made me feel good. And then it made me feel bad that they were going through this because on a, every musician mm -hmm. outside of Nashville, Nashville was like haven for music <laughs> and splits and all that stuff. They had some story on someone taking their work or not being able to prove or them not doing some document. And I would hear this and just feel horrible mm -hmm. because I was solving this for all these other companies that you know I was working with. So that's where pretty much the passion of solving this issue came about. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. You, so you applied your solution architecting, solving problems, yeah. skills to this space because you heard the uh, the problem intimately. Yes. Heard it. Mm -hmm. Have you guys watched The Defiant Ones by chance? <gasps> the story of uh, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Ivey. Mm. Oh man, you guys gotta watch that. I know what it is, but I've been under a rock. I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I so need to I've already it. watched. It's a four-part yeah. series. It's uh -huh. not that much of a commitment. So it's like about four hours. It is their story from beginning to end. Right. I love right. that stuff. So I'm totally gonna check that out. It is. Yeah. It is directly in this camp of sampling music. Mm -hmm. These guys were basically doing everything and anything that they could to create art, mm -hmm. and the only instruments that they had were actually actually records that they could sample onto tapes mm -hmm. and they would create songs legendary music mm -hmm. from yeah, you know which samples they were you know which samples they got guess guess which samples they I, got I don't know. they got p-funk samples okay he's obsessed was, with p-funk I'm, I'm obsessed with p-funk because because hold on hold on there's a reason there's a reason there's a reason is because Dr. Dre did take, you know, he did build off of, and not just Dr. Dre, there were a lot of, you know, late 80s, early 90s hip hop groups that were sampling stuff that came out of the 70s, right? Mm. So already like this thing started where people are starting to like combine music together. Um, so one of the things that P-Funk did as they, as they grew in their career, as they came towards the end of their career, what they started doing is they just started, they put out one album that was literally for people to sample. That album was not made, it, I mean, like, it's got some good songs on it, but it's just, like, loops of stuff, you know, and you can tell. And people sampled that, and they turned it into, like, Snoop Dogg, you know, Snoop Doggy Dogg, like, yeah. that came from P-Funk, or that came from oh, George wow. Clinton, like, all wow. that stuff originated from there. So it's like, the foundation of sampling was, yeah. you know, that P-Funk era, and then it went into hip-hop with Dr. Dre and all these other things. I mean, because so, I grew up, I mean, so, my formative years were basically the years of all the sampling, all of the, you know, um, I, mean, I don't want to say it, but it's like pirating, you know, basically pirating, not knowing they were really pirating, but pirating, you know, music samples and then creating art with it. Yeah. yeah. It's like Beastie Boys, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about iconic you know, rock and roll music bands and, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's like, wow. And then you get to nowadays, mm -hmm. it's like that hack, that growth hack is used up. Yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> it is a yeah. growth hack. Yeah, yeah, right, but, but the difference, what happens now is, is that people are professionally creating right. these tracks that can be used for other people. So like a lot of the music you hear now is, you know, they didn't make that up. They just mixed it together in a way yeah. and then, you know, put some, 
you know, lyrics over the top of it, and it just came out like that. Yeah, yeah. Like Lil Nas X, he didn't come up with this melody. I gotta ask, so I gotta go back all the way to the beginning. Um, so there's this, uh, you know, I was going on about the Wozniak problem. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about how you already recognize that you're not the business person. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a soapbox, but it seems like I'm coming across way too many very, very talented, very smart technical people who want to do it all. Mm -hmm. mm, and yeah. I just don't think it's practical for someone to try and do it all, mm -hmm. you know, as hard as it is to find your partner, your business partner to like, you know, charge the hill and attack the marketplace, as hard as that is, I think it's harder to do it and do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's this myth, I think, of the, of the Mark Zuckerberg, you know, founder, technical founder, also right. business mind, who basically did it all himself kind of a thing. Right. So, well, Mark Zuckerberg had a lot of help from his COO, Sheryl Sandberg, mm -hmm. right? Well, no, I'm talking about even before she ever came on board. But When they reached a critical level, of course they brought on people, but right. I think the myth is that basically you alone, Mr. Technical Dev, you have the wherewithal and the skills and the knowledge to build it all and do all the business up to you know a point where you can't. Not everyone is Bill Gates, and not everyone is uh, Elon well, even, Musk. Even he had Paul Allen. Yeah, he had right. Paul Allen. Yeah, right. yeah. Paul and so Allen. that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like I think there would be more productivity, mm -hmm. more value added into the into the space of you know creating companies mm -hmm. if more talented. Uh, well-intentioned, you know, developers, technical people would um, team up with someone uh, on the business side. And so thank you for saying that. Yeah, and so I'll tell you where, where I learned that was from consulting because as a consultant, you don't, you're solving clients' problems and a lot of times clients are coming to you because they don't have that technical experience. They just need to come to you and say, business side. yeah, I need, I need this business problem solved, right? I need a mobile app so that I can give this to my customers so they can do this and I can reach these milestones, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out how to solve that problem. And that doesn't matter if you use AWS or Azure or what technology, like that's almost, that's secondary. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to solve the problem first. So when Farrah's talking about being a solutions architect, she's talking about like, coming up with like, okay, well, what are all the pieces that we need to kind of solve this problem? Now that we know those, then it goes downstream for yeah. the developers. It, right? it did take me a while to get into the business owner mindset, coming from a heavy, you know, management consultant, yeah. corporate mindset. Yeah. I don't have the money, the millions of dollar budget. I don't have this. It, I did have to learn I mean, I'm still learning, of course, how to be the CEO of a company. Mm -hmm. You'll always taught. be learning. I'm always going to be learning, <laughs> but uh, the, I was like, how do I even start this? I mean, so it's interesting. So I think we got to land plane here because we're getting close to 11 o'clock. Um, well, there's only one other fun topic that I wanted to cover. Go for and it. so for do you it. have other stuff? or? Well, I want you to talk about the rest of your team members. So obviously you two are very impressive. I think mm -hmm. um, okay. the audience should learn about your other two team members because sure. apparently you literally are the recruiting machine. <laughs> so um, speaking of like, you know, Dr. Dre, um, Tommy, he, his claim to fame, mm -hmm. I think is um, the song, The Real Slim Shady. He, he wrote and mm -hmm. composed that. Yeah. On yeah. your team? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the way he told the story. When me and Bear were listening, we just our jaws were on the floor. Yeah. That's right. And he was like, they were trying to figure out how to make a song, you know, and, and collaborate between Dr. Dre and Eminem. And, oh my god. And so then he said he put his headphones on, stood at his keyboard, came up with the melody real quick, just to <laughs> test it out, right? And then and then he let them hear it, and Eminem heard it, and he was like, that's the melody. And then they went and they they did the whole thing. Yeah. Is he from Detroit? He's from, this was in LA. This oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, this was after Eminem was yeah. in LA. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, uh, so Tommy's dad, it was part of the bass player for Santana. He grew up in that, <laughs> that world. And he actually co-wrote um, a song with his dad and the, the and Randy Jackson. And he won a Grammy for that. Oh you know, God. so That's when awesome. he was 12. <laughs> wow. um, so how we really, you know, come together is we have the same investor. Tommy uh, was working on a, a a storage platform, a physical storage platform for musicians, mm-hmm. and so it's like we he has IP around that. Mm-hmm. So it's, we have common interests oh, and yeah, goals. Yeah. Um, he's experienced even for the song um, "The Real Slim Shady." Someone who didn't like him, not Dr. Dre, they, he loves working one with them. Left him out of the the contribution. Oops. Oh. At first. Mm-hmm. And then he called Dre and was like, uh, I was opening up my flap, you know, the CDs, and I didn't see my name in it. Oops. <laughs> and then they had to figure out what happened. It was some guy that didn't, you know, didn't like him. He had he got fired after that and and so those things my team understands like these problems like intimately. intimately. And then we have um Jamil Johnson. I mean Jamil. We call him J Dash. <laughs> so J Dash was um, he had a popular song about five years ago called the the WAP, and it became really popular because Miley Cyrus was twerking to it oh. and it went viral. Oh. And he um, he was a, a new artist at that time and he, the record labels were calling him and he came in and they're like, what performing rights organization are you a part of? Oh. And he didn't know what that was. <laughs> and so he signed up right away. And then a week later, our organization called Sound Exchange called him and says, oh, we see that you're the creator of the WAP. We have a $50,000 check for you. Wow. He was like, I didn't know. He was like, I had no clue. I was broke. I did not know I had to do this in order to get money. Wow. <laughs> so wow. he has a deep understanding of this issue as well. So, I mean, he, he went off to get his engineering degree in software development and he was the first team member of a healthcare company, he st- but he still stayed into music. So, um, yeah, I mean, great. Like, I needed a product person, <laughs> and he was one of our first um, users. And every week, he would come and say that we were missing something, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know what? You are you can actually fix it because um, you have that skill set. Come on down. So. Wow. They so look great. <laughs> your product team, your team really intimately understands uh, this problem set from lots of different directions. Lots of different directions. One team member I, I didn't have up there was Tammy. She's our CMO. Tammy at 18 wrote a song. Mm-hmm. Um, she was signed, wrote a song. She left her, her label. A year later, she heard Whitney Houston singing her song. <laughs> on oh, the radio yeah. and she was had mixed feelings she was happy but like what's exactly. going on so basically they they 
they never paid her they took her off and she had so to, she's really passionate so she's really passionate <laughs> fortunately she was a smart teenager and she copyrighted copy wrote her, her her stuff so there was no lawsuit there was just okay we'll add you so she's still so eating okay. from this song awesome. today so all awesome. of our folks are super smart they're musicians slash expertise in the areas that i need them to be best yeah. at and so they're always just working and really being really passionate and really just concise with what we're doing that's fantastic so, yeah. yeah team is super 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 important well my whole question was uh going to be really minuscule which cool. is you brought it up earlier ari but uh star wars versus star trek do you guys have preference versus i like those star, two? Trek. star trek star trek 100 oh, nice. yeah. which one which, which star trek the one oh, with whoopi when i saw whoopi which oh, james uh, that's next generation yeah okay yeah. Whoopi was on there. She had her dress oh. and she had her purple all the time. Yeah. I was like, I'm coming to see Whoopi. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I mean, um, I guess you know, we won't make it a secret or something like that. But I mean, both of us, we both like Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. Star Trek. But as like, you know, long term, Star Trek. Star, oh, Star Wars Trek. is fantasy and it's wonderful fantasy. It's like Lord of the Rings for sci-fi right but star trek is like it's life man. here's here's you know it's real like it's real. New, new technology new government styles new money new economy i love that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. politics all that it's so exactly. good it's okay <laughs> awesome awesome well we're on a short time here but uh, i guess last kind of thoughts you wanted to leave for people for how to contact and like how do you know sure. yeah. first um, Y'all come to the labs and join us. It's www.thelabs.com. Yes, we create safeguards around your collaborations so that you just don't worry about piracy at all. So um, yeah, our our Instagram is the labs with a Z underscore tech, and that's for Facebook as well. Awesome. Cool. Check oh, out cool. the labs. The labs L A B Z. And really, really thank you so much for your time, Farah. And now I think I, I just learned so much. And I just had a crash course in everything I don't know about. So this was really, really informative for me. Before you finally do your uh, yeah. last bit here, did you guys ever hear about that little story that apparently there's a, there's a group of VCs who um, invested into startups that all have the letter Z? Really? Them, <laughs> and they're all basically like unicorns? Really? Oh, that story? No. No. Yeah, I, I, I like that story. story. That's a good story. That's a good story. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. we're a part of their, their thesis. Exactly. <laughs> we only we're VCs. We only invest in companies with the, with the letter Z in the name. <laughs> anyway. Well, that tells you that you know investing, especially in the early stage, is more art than anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, thank you again for your time. I think it was a thank really really learned yeah. so much. Super fun. Really appreciate your time and the opportunity to be a part of this journey with you yeah. and uh, everyone on who's listening please check out the labs l-a-b-z yes and uh, thank you so much for your time and to our listeners and to our sponsors thank you to coimi thank you to freshchalk.com and also to the wtia for helping us do what we do and to our listeners we can only do this if you rate review subscribe rate, and share review subscribe share <laughs> more stories like this to come up together we rise be nice y'all thanks bye 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 everyone 
Hi all, this is Goldbug from Berkeley by way of Charlotte. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guest or its host is to be taken as financial or legal or psychological or dietary advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Securities and Exchange Commission or the Commodity Future Trading Commission of the United States of America or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening, you acknowledge that host Arian Day and their guests are not financial advisors or legal scholars or psychologists or dietitians of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. There shall be no reliance by listeners to the representations made in this podcast as being factual fiduciary or any other big vocabulary word you can think of. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of the known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. This podcast contains adult information. Discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. Welcome to um, Windshield Time, What's y'all? Windshield Time, Mary? I don't think you had to ask that. I was going to just jump in. Jump on in. This is all going to be edited. Jump on in.